Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How did get 30, 30, how get 30, how get 20, 20, 20, get 20, 20, how get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Are you ready to have anal sex tonight? Our response was... You are kind of ready to have anal sex tonight. <laughs> mm. You ticked off some things that might be seen as having a red flag for anal sex, but you can still give it a go if you want to. But be warned, you're doing it at your own risk. It's because we said we didn't like poo. And the last, I was going to do a third quiz, which was pretend to be a party planner and we'll reveal which Disney princess you're most like. Mm, no. <laughs> but I sense that the team might be getting a bit frustrated with my <laughs> hilarious quiz joke. So, <laughs> just going to say bye from Monterey Jack, and I'm going to put the glasses back down before Vinny leaves permanently. <laughs> <laughs> this close. <laughs> so, dudes, welcome to the gnarliest pod on the planet, Goats. Now, before we ride the wave of knowledge into the lagoon of happiness, let's just go over a few things. First things first, if you could just pop us a follow on Instagram, that would be totally rad. And if you want to get us even more stoked, maybe just drop us a fiver on Patreon. Also, Casey, if you're listening to this, that moment we shared at Duncan's beach party last weekend was totally epic. And I'm truly sorry from the bottom of my heart that I told everyone we did butt stuff. That was very uncouth. Now... Before we talk about this week's topics, how are you, bros? I got one question. What accent was that, Seb? It sounded like a posh American, slight Australian twang. Who is your surfer friend? Yeah, yeah I don't. Who, who Where's he from? About? Oh my! <laughs> oh, mate, my bro, mm, my yeah. surf bro. Um, mm, yeah. Well, he's just from you know. He's just from the sea. Right. <laughs> he's the sea people. He's just one of the sea people. Um. He just, you know, he doesn't really come from one place specifically. He right. just considers himself to be more from multiple places, which is probably why the accent was a bit difficult. A bit bastardised, yeah. The traveller, yeah. Because yeah. yeah, also, yeah. very American, like, you know, KC, and then came in with a strong Duncan. Very... Yeah, well, you know, he is a, he's an American bro. I think he's originally, but his dad moved around a lot, you know. Right. Oh, yeah, yeah. He, he, he's, he's been all over the place. Classic. Anyway, what have you guys been up to? Not much. Getting, I've been uh, in a lot of pain. My shoulder, I fucked my oh, back yeah. up. Um, yeah, you've been to the A&E yet? That hurt. Yeah, I went to the doctor on Saturday because it was just unbearable. So that's happened. I also got addicted to prescription meds for a day and a half. But Great. I've kicked the habit. I'm recovering now. 
That's um, great nice. to hear. The doctor did. She wasn't a doctor. She was a nurse. She um, she did sort of tell off Jen a bit when she was like, "You gave him ha- ha- what? That's a whopping dose. This is a controlled drug that's been prescribed to you. You're not supposed to give that out like that. It's dangerous." <laughs> <laughs> and apparently so if you've never taken it before it can stop you breathing if you take too much and i was just like oh well michael dribbles it felt in the great corner. it was fucking man tell you what i'll bet heroin's fucking good <laughs> what was well, it, it is. like uh, codeine oxy- codeine yeah, yeah yeah i've heard nice. that stuff's fantastic it is good i'd fall very moorish hmm yeah. Like codeine's bloody Moorish. It is Moorish. Because I, I had four in the day and was just like, yo. And then I, in the yo. evening, in the evening, I was yo. like, oh, it's kind of worn off a bit. I'll, I'll just have two more. <laughs> you can see why the, how the opioid crisis happened in America. <laughs> oh, yeah, fuck right. yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was, I, was, I was hoping they were going to be like, oh, yeah, if it's that bad, you're going to need some, uh, um, yeah, like Oxycontin or whatever. And I was like thinking, oh, fuck yeah, boy. But then she was like, no, that is the wrong drug for that pain. You, like, and I was like, well, to be fair, yeah, she's she's not lying. It didn't actually take the pain away. It just sent me to, I don't know, chill land. <laughs> which, yeah. is, right. which is fun. But yeah, other than that, I'm good. How are you? Yeah, I've been really busy, actually. Uh, over the weekend, went down to Exeter. Didn't say hi to you, Mork, sorry. But I was on Strictly seeing my bro, Seb. He came home from Saudi Arabia, so I was Strictly seeing him. Um got fucking lashed on saturday because yeah, of course boy. i fucking did fucking yes that was good but then i basically had to come back because i'm going back and i'm going back to Exeter tomorrow because we're going to france for like a whole week mm. next week um but then i had to come back to bristol because i had to do for like an interview i had to do this like little like coding project mm. and he was like oh yeah it'll take two maybe add a push three hours so it shouldn't be too bad I was like, oh, okay i'll like do that and then i'll write my script for today's episode you know it'll be all hunky dory mm-hmm. i started at 10 in the morning i didn't actually submit it until half nine at night oh my god <laughs> i have not been this stressed and overworked since university it literally Damn. took me 11 fucking hours to make this project <laughs> maybe you didn't get in the job if he was like oh it should take you about two hours and you're just there like bashing out all day <laughs> yeah the thing is it's it was like a, a a side of programming i have very little experience with mm. so i had to learn a lot of shit right which <laughs> took a lot of time <laughs> and oh my god was i stressed but you've done it now so maybe that's a good show of like you know your initiative yeah, and ex- yeah exactly so yeah maybe that's exactly. a, a banging job i did a banging job as well nice uh, one. yeah how how the devil fingers you crossed said? you can get employed again start paying some fucking tax mate that would be good, mate. That would be good, because we're pretty fucked over here, us taxpaying proper people, aren't we, Seb? So if you could just, you know, help out a bit, mate, that'd be fucking handy. How about new? Yeah, I've been all right, really. I, I've been sort of just, you know, keeping my eye on the news. Obviously, we don't... By the time this comes out, those people who either died or got rescued in that submarine will be a long and distant memory. They're, all, they're already uh, dead. Um... I did put something in, uh, I sent it to the Discord that me and Vinny are in that Michael's not in, um, which I was <laughs> like... Remind me the, again. <laughs> it's, it's like the, um, I, I called it the most the most redundant interview in history, and mm. it's just the Daily Mail got on someone, I think it's the Daily Mail, to talk mm. about the feelings that the people trapped inside the thing might be feeling. They right, call them uh, like a feelings expert. 
well, obviously what? they're going to be a bit like you know pissed off, stressed, Horrified. and dying. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, shit. <laughs> I was, like just shitting what? bricks. It's yeah. probably enough, isn't it? Just they think they're going to die, and they're really scared. Well, they're yeah. already, or they're already dead. Yeah, so. I guess it goes to show that in this world where everyone's terrified that AI is going to take our jobs, we'll still find these redundant jobs like feelings experts to, yes. <laughs> to keep around on the payroll. Well, so I think we're all right. Even nah, more, there'll be even more like need for feelings experts when everyone's brains gets input with computer chips and we can't feel emotion anymore. We'll have to go to like feeling expert updates to like download Happy again. <laughs> I feel like I could ask ChatGBT what they'd be feeling. Give me a sec. So I asked ChatGBT if I was trapped inside a small submarine at the bottom of the ocean while exploring the Titanic and my air was running out, how would I be feeling? Mm -hmm. ChatGBT said this, if you were trapped inside a small submarine at the bottom of the ocean with your air running out, it's likely you would experience a combination of intense fear, panic, and a sense of impending doom. The situation you describe is extremely dangerous and life-threatening, so it's natural to feel a heightened sense of anxiety and desperation. Thanks, chat, GBT. They should just tweet that to those guys. I think that make them feel better that, you know, it's okay to feel stressed and anxious if you're trapped inside a submarine dying. Do you think they have a signal at the bottom of the sea? Nah, well, I think if bro. they did, they wouldn't be in this problem, would they? <laughs> yeah. <that's>, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Look, should we crack on with this shit show? Yeah, let's crack on with it. It's cracking. Sorry, I just need to grab my mate back. Oh no, for fuck's sake. <laughs> what is... What even is his name? Oh, hey, bros, I'm back. I don't get Sup, why bro? you've got to be here, mate, for, like, historical <laughs> battle. Why do we need a cool surfer dude for such, like, this topic? What, 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 Why are you here? What is your purpose? I don't know. It's just almost like Seb thought of doing this, like, a couple of minutes before we started, and he just thought it'd be funny, and then he just ran with it. Because, like, he's, like, a pretty interesting guy like that, and he just has, like, creative ideas, something that you wouldn't understand. Mm. Sorry, bro, that was a little bit passive-aggressive. But you're fun to hang around with with a guitar and a campfire, aren't you? <laughs> Mate, I will knock out Wonderwall like you've never fucking heard, bro. Um, now, it's a bit like so... Seb then. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah I wasn't suspicious. actually digging at you, Seb. Don't worry. <laughs> not like Seb. I'm not so sure about you yet, though. But I don't even know your name. What's your name, by? Um, earplug. Of course it is. Did you just see an earplug? <laughs> is that why you said earplug? <laughs> Imagine if you saw a dildo. Uh, Imagine, if I saw your m- dildo. Imagine if I saw your mum. Mm. Um, no, so... No, my name's um, Monterey Jack. Um, mm-hmm. I'm just a pretty surfy dude. Yeah. Um, and I'm just here to talk to you about this week's topic. Battles. Now, battles are like one of the most rad things on the planet, but also like a lot of people die. So that's pretty gnarly. And a lot of the time, they don't let the ladies get involved, which is like super sexist and stuff. <laughs> well. But yeah, battles of shame. <laughs> Come on. You couldn't say the sexist like that because it's, yeah, that's a good one. <laughs> so sexist. So... Yeah, like, a lot of battles have, like, shaped huge amounts of our history and our day-to-day lives. Like, if it wasn't for the Norman invasion in 1066, we'd probably all be speaking Saxon right now. And if it wasn't for the Battle of Britain, we'd probably be speaking German. If it wasn't for Kong Godzilla versus Mecha Godzilla, we'd probably all be speaking Japanese. Namaste. 
<laughs> just, just carry on. <laughs> I'm bored of this bit. So that's actually Korean. <laughs> Namaste. Where is Namaste? It's Thai, I think. Uh, I mean, yeah, bro. Um, but which of these epic battles was the best? Which should we crown the goat? I'll hand it over to one of these two righteous bros to find out first. Me. Who's going first, Me. bros? I want to. Me. I got ants okay. in my pants. I'm itching at the pants. Mork. Yo. I can't wait to hear what you've got to say on whatever battle you've picked. <laughs> Carry on while I get the timer up. Now, there have been a shit ton of battles in human history. Humans mm. like to do two things. Fuck and fight. Hell Ever yeah. since the caveman days, we've been fighting each other. So picking just one battle in particular to be the go is actually a pretty big task. Now, World War One, World War Two, they're a good starting point. You know, Stalingrad, the Somme, etc. But oh, they're just they're just fucking boring, and they're big battles in a bigger war. Like they might not be as impactful as we might believe, and they're a bit boring. So then I was like, oh, maybe I'll pick something a bit out of the ordinary. Maybe Vietnam or the Falklands. And I was like, no, that's still boring. Let's go really far outside the box. Pick something from fucking Star Wars, maybe. Seb would love that, and I would get bare points. I would love that. I would would get so many extra points. Maybe the Battle of Endor or Geonosis would be good. But then I was like, actually, no, you guys will fucking kill me if I pick something that's not real. So at this point, I was lost. I was like, I don't want to go for something modern and boring. And if I pick Star Wars, you'll probably kick me off of goats. And then I found it. A battle which shaped nations forever. It has major historical significance on a massive scale. And it was ages ago. Mm. And it was a fucking cool battle. Because mm. this was fought with swords and shields, baby. I thought you were going to say in space then. I'll no, no. Oh, shit. Oh, that would have been Star even Wars. <laughs> Has there no. ever been? Has there ever been an official space battle? battle no no unless you can't like the battle for landing on the moon the space race there's no really reckon... physical battle no 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 military's been sent to space no oh, that's mad isn't it do you reckon any two people from separate nations have ever had fisticuffs in space just had a bit nah. of a rough and time look at these... a... no the astronauts look at them they're so well mannered and polite and nice they all get along there must have been at least one fight on the iss like a physical fight no. I think they just must have been. No, they're not the fighty type, they're are they? are trapped up there for ages. I, to be fair, I can imagine them bringing, like, toy lightsabers and just, like, duking it out. Be like, oh, you well, know, yeah, it does. Can someone gets get, them, imagine like, fucking a out. Nerf gun fight in there. You could properly do the Matrix. Oh, that would be cool, actually. <laughs> Yo, Patreon, if you get big enough, we'll go and do a Nerf battle <laughs> on the ISS. Send Mork to space to fire a Nerf gun. <laughs> One of the minigun ones. Do, 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 do. But it wouldn't fire slowly. It would fire normal yeah. speed. They'd just come out really easy. It wouldn't go like... Boom. It's not slow-mo. <laughs> do, do. <laughs> They'd actually probably come out really quick. It'd come out quicker, no. wouldn't it? Well, no, because... I don't know. Because uh, be, there would be less like resistance, right? Well, no, because there's still air. It's still pressurised oh, yeah, air. So it's oh, the man. Same. Remember when that geezer from Britain was up there, like, doing all them shows for, like, kids and assemblies and shit? That was our opportunity. Send Tim, his ass a Nerf gun. Yeah, get him to shoot it. Mm. Yeah, that's true. I'm sure they've probably done that already. They don't have a lot going on. No, true. But yeah, anyway, 
The battle I'm talking about is legendary. Mm-hmm. And it is the legendary the Battle of the Black Gate. Now, after victory For fuck's at the Battle of Minas Tirith, Sauron's armies are depleted and the armies of men are boosted by the arrival of Riders of Rohan. Aragorn, Gandalf and co. decide that, although they have no fucking clue how Frodo is getting on. The best way to help him is to distract Sauron by springing a big surprise attack and offensive on the Black Gate. User in your channel was kicked from the server. Goodbye, Mork. Okay, so welcome to the podcast, Sans Mork. Um, we've long been looking for a reason to get rid of him, and I think we just found... We just had enough, really. Um, that, that was a bit, actually. I haven't actually... Good. Well, thank fuck for that. Nah. Um, but the battle I have picked <laughs> was still fought with swords and shields. It was still cool. It still happened ages ago, and mm. it's even got a fucking cool theme song. Mm. It is the Battle of Hastings, ten sixty six. Is that the theme song of the Battle of Hastings? <laughs> is that the theme song of the fucking insurance advert? Yeah, Hastings no, Insurance. I don't think it is. I think it goes Battle of Hastings, ten sixty six. Were they nah. singing that like while they were fighting? <laughs> while they impaled each other. According to the yeah. Bear Tapestry, they were. Yeah, but anyway, before we discuss the battle directly, we need to establish the state of play. Who are the main characters and what's going on? Now, mm. this is going to get very Game of Thrones, right? Yeah, I heard um, it was potentially what inspired Game of Thrones, and unless you were about to talk about that at some point. Well, I can see why it inspired the Five King, the Battle of the Five Kings. So yeah. in England, we've got two geezers we need to know about. The current King of England is a fella called Edward. He's got no kids, but he does have a brother-in-law. He's got no fans. <laughs> yeah. But he's got a brother-in-law. His name is Hank Schrader. No, his name is Harold Goodwinson. Schrader. <laughs> <laughs> now, <laughs> I didn't even write that down. That was I just, yeah. Now, anyway, what? how did you come up with that <laughs> off the know. brain? <laughs> Jesus Christ! You didn't Marie. even write that down. What? No. <laughs> also, you don't write anything down because you can't write. <laughs> Or read. Uh, <laughs> this now, is all off the dome. <laughs> like, literally, you have to freestyle everything. You just watch loads of documentaries and you just recite them. Go <laughs> so freestyle you remember the Go freestyle artist, yo. Now, mm. who was I even talking about? Now, Edward. <laughs> yeah. He's promised the throne of England to Harold, his brother-in-law, when he dies. And that's important point number one. The next character who is important is the current king of Norway, Harald Hardrada, who will henceforth be referred to as King Viking. Why? Because his name is also Harald, and that would be confusing, and because he is a Viking king, and he's a fucking badass. Hmm. He was like an army for hire, and he would just go around the world fighting and warring for you know, money and shit. Now, the King Viking also had a claim to the English throne mm. because decades earlier, before Edward was king, England was ruled by Vikings because there was a yeah. constant invasion and reinvasion from Anglo-Saxons yeah, yeah. and Vikings. And one of these Viking kings promised 
our boy, King Viking, that he could be the king of England when the line of those Vikings ends, right? So right. that is where King Viking's claim to the throne comes. So we've got two claims to the same throne. Now, we move on to the big, the third big point and the third big character, our boy, William of Normandy, or William the Bastard, friend Did of John Snow. you say our boy or owl boy? Our boy. Why would I say owl boy? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. That's why I was confused. That's why I brought it up. If it was obvious, I wouldn't have said it. But I was like, is he owl boy? Like, what is he known no, for his owl? Just use your rational brain. Be like, why would he say owl boy? <laughs> Our boy, William of don't Normandy. Like the intrusive thought to win. Or William the Bastard. Now, when England was ruled by the Vikings, our other boy, Edward, he had to go and live in Normandy for 30 years because when he was over there in England, there was some bad shit and they were like, yo, Edward's going to be king one day. Let's just fuck him off to Normandy for safety. Right. And when he was in Normandy, he became mates with William. Right? Mm-hmm. And so he even told William, he was like, look, mate, I'm going to be the fucking king one day, right? I'm actually like fully in line for the throne. So when the Vikings fuck off, I'll just go back to England and be the king. And then when I die, because I ain't going to have kids, because fuck that noise, like, you know, can't be bothered. So when I die, mate, you just have a throne. Like, you're a sound lad. Like, I think you're sick. Like, you can be the king. Yeah. So then that's where William's claim comes from for the throne. But the claim to this throne is furthered because when Edward was king, he actually sent his brother-in-law, Harold, to Normandy to swear over holy relics that Big Dick Willie could become the king when Edward dies. So he's got a proper claim to the throne via God, which is important. Hang on. Right. So this English bloke pledged the throne to France when he died? He pledged the throne to William of Normandy, who's technically not French. He's Yeah, Viking. Normandy was a sovereign state. It was Well still, but you know, he's pledged it to a foreign Because he lived there, yeah, because he lived there for ages and he was like, William, mate, you're a fucking sick fella. Like, you yeah. can be the king when I die. Right. But he's I actually didn't know that. Yeah, but he's also pledged it to his brother in law Harold, and the Vikings <laughs> before him have pledged it to King Viking Harold Hardrada. You can't double pledge. You've triple pledged. There's been a triple pledging. Just a side note, that's quite interesting, I think. Normandy was, in fact, given to... Vi like, Normandy was made for Vikings to live in France. Yes. It was actually... They they were actually were Vikings who then just settled yeah. in France, essentially. and Because they were all in France, Normans. like, burning down villages and shit, and France couldn't defeat them. So France was just like, look, if you want to live it, fucking fine. You can just have Normandy. Yeah. yeah. That's mad. I had no idea. Yeah. yeah. So that's the setup. We've got a current King Edward, and we've got three claimants to the throne when he dies. Harold Goodwinson, his brother-in-law, King Viking, who was promised a throne by a previous Viking king, and William the Bastard, who was promised the throne because he was the king's mate, and it was sworn over holy relics. Mm. Now, this is where we get to the tipping point. Edward dies. Gasp. Oh, shit. Harold Goodwinson then proclaims, Yo, I'm the fucking king, yo. <laughs> like, <laughs> just like what's that. up, yo? Yo, however, bitch. <laughs> however, word reaches both of the other challengers, and King Viking is like, yo, fuck that noise. That England is mine, mate. I'm gonna invade. 
And then Will the Bastard is like, yo, fuck that shit. You swore over holy relics that is mine. Mm. So he went to the to the Pope to gain permission from the Pope, because you have to gain permission from the Pope to kill the king, because they're kings from God. He was right. like, yo, Pope, he swore on holy relics, and he's just fucking backtracked on that. This Harold fella's a king. Can I kill him? And the Pope's like, all right. So then he's like, yo, I'm going to invade. The Pope's just like, yeah, that's fine. Yeah, he's like, yo, you can't swear over holy relics and backtrack like that. Fuck that guy. Get him. So yeah. William's like, sick. I'm going to invade. Just imagine them all speaking like this. <laughs> yo, <laughs> Pope, can I kill him? <laughs> he swore over holy relics, yeah? <laughs> oh, my God. He, but he did, though, didn't he? Oh, my God. He also God. slept with Natasha Milk by him, my Milk. back, Milk and I've been pining fire for so long. <laughs> <laughs> So, so Big Dick Will sets up his ships and his army and he decides to sail for England. But unfortunately, the wind is actually blowing the wrong way, so he can't. So, we've all been there. Yeah. I love how like that stopped like 90% of sea invasions throughout the course of history. It's that the wind wasn't the right way and everyone just yeah. got fucked or like couldn't I, make the voyage. I know, it's funny, isn't it? Now, <laughs> over in England, Harold's men, they're just waiting. But, like, obviously it's taking fucking ages for them to turn up because the wind's going the wrong way. So they're like, oh, fuck this. Let's just go back to London. Like, this is boring. So they march the whole army back to London. And then at this point, King Viking actually lands in York up north. Oh, shit. So I was like, oh, shit, actually, quick, let's go. Fucking storms this whole army up north to fight. The Battle of Fulford and the Battle of Stamford Bridge happen. And Harold actually wins and defeats King Viking. Few nice, like they're dead, but literally right when they're barrel deep in the mead, celebrating, what happens? Fucking wind changes, and then what happens? Williams come in. Oh, so, shit. so William takes his army over and he lands just near Hastings. Harold is like, "Oh for fuck's sake, not another one!" So he marches <laughs> back down to London. And he thinks about staying there and just letting Will come to him. But then Will actually just burnt down a few villages. And so Harold was like, for fuck's sake. And he goes down to meet him in Hastings. Harold's army sets up at the top of this big ass hill, right? And Will's is at the bottom. Harold has an army of exhausted farmers and a few decent soldiers. And William has a full army of trained knights, archers and cavalry. Mm. <laughs> and on the 14th of October, 1066... The battle begins. Yeah. So having the high ground is definitely an advantage, though, because Will's, yeah. like, fellas, they let off, like, barrages of arrows, but they're not too successful because, like, you know, it's going uphill. Mm. So then he's like, oh, fuck it, right? He launches his men and his horses up the hill, and, like, the clash of shields and the sound of metal and death is everywhere. But Harold's army is, like, just standing firm. Like, they're behind the shield wall. They're standing firm. And Harold knows that all he's got to do is stay there and exhaust Will's army, and he'll be victorious. But then something really weird happens, right? Mm -hmm. Maybe it was a tactic, a genius plan. Or maybe it was because there was a rumour that spread that William the Bastard had been killed. But Will's men basically turned around and just ran back down the hill. And stupidly, 
Harold fucking takes the bait, right? He's like, yo, boys, mm. we've won. Let's get him. He starts charging down. He's like, yo. As they're charging down, William has a fucking great, great idea. He's like, yo, I'm actually not dead. He takes his helmet off, reveals his face. He's like, I am not dead. Gets on his horse and flanks with his horsemen behind Harold's men and just fucking murks them. Like, he just starts slashing and smashing. Mm. Harold's men are just, like, getting absolutely annihilated, right? And they just fuck up the English army. It was an intense fight, but in the end, Harold gets an ar- an arrow straight through the eye and out the other side of his dome. He's Iconic fucking dead. moment from the Shit. Bayou Tapestry. His ass is grass, and William has won, and he's gone from Will the Bastard to Will the Conqueror. Hell yeah. And that's the Battle of Hastings. But the effect of the battle on English history was very profound. All Mm. Anglo-Saxon nobles were replaced by Normans. They built all sorts of cathedrals and towers, like the Tower of London, like all this mad shit. They came and built all this stuff up. And most importantly, they changed the English language and English society. Because England, and I, I don't like to disrespect England, but... It was pretty much a nation entirely of peasants at this point, right? Right. And the Normans, they brought a bit of class. They brought the suave, right? Mm -hmm. Rather than just being like fucking tanners and bakers and stuff, you could now become a painter or a tailor as like a new profession. And like fancy words like purchase and beautiful were introduced into the language. And beef. And beef, because yeah. before you would just eat cow, but now you can eat beef and pork and mutton. And mm. everyone was like, yo, what is this fancy shit? Imagine how many rappers had cow back in the day. Mm. <laughs> exactly. The famous the famous <laughs> cow between head. Tupac and Biggie. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that would have been so different had we not had the Norman invasion. And imagine telling someone, oh, I'm just going home to pig the missus. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't have that same... Does it? No. And also, because English people couldn't actually write, the Normans refined the written language as well. And they introduced, uh, I don't understand it, but they introduced stuff like putting the W and the H together for like, so you could like write down like where and like whatever Trevor, like, and it would make sense or something. Wow. And also, let's not forget, this was the last ever successful invasion of england by another nation a Mm -hmm. thousand years later on no one has ever had balls as big and a schlong as long as fucking william the bastard to even come and try to invade england and that is all she wrote right Mm -hmm. the battle of hastings is the goat battle it shaped Mm -hmm. england forever england was no longer going to be invaded and reinvaded ever again Language and society changed forever because of it. And really, it's a fucking cool big battle. All like loads of different people fighting, claiming for the throne, and then just throwing down with swords in a muddy field. And it just don't get better than that. It cannot get cooler than that. It's still goat. Not not to help your cause too much, but a cool thing that you didn't mention is that so have you heard of the comet known as Haley's Comet? Mm. yep it like obviously it comes around and we we can see it on earth every few hundred years or something like that 
back in those days, comets, like seeing a big comet in the sky was considered a bad omen. And the thing is, Halley's Comet was reported to have been seen on Earth in 1066. It's a, it's a, isn't it? Isn't it on the Bayou Tapestry, Haley's Comet? I think, I think so, be. yeah. I think it is. You're right. I don't know. I've never read it. Red? <laughs> do, you read, do you read the... Is it like a, well, is that's it like a comic? Do you read a comic? I guess you do. Is there text in it? Or is it just there all... There is, but obviously it's all in Latin, I think. Is it I think you French? read a tapestry. You, it's like a story, don't you? Yeah, I know, but do you read a painting? It's basically a painting, but they sewed it. Yeah. No, it's like a comic. It's got a narrative, but yeah, the Battle of Hastings is fucking sick, like... I don't care what Finny comes with. You don't get cooler than like knights and shields and fucking and slashing song. and gashing. It's got a fucking a theme, song. theme song. It's got <laughs> it's got main characters. It's got three separate things to the throne. It's got a fella called William the Bastard, King Viking. Like it's just cool, man. I mean, you did name some of those. No, William yeah, the Viking. Bastard is called William the Bastard. And King Viking is the king of the Vikings. So I guess that kind of... That <laughs> wasn't his name though. <laughs> Yeah, I christen you King Viking. Um, well, they might have no, said that. I like speaking it. speaking Viking. Look, I literally, I mentioned it in my open. Well, I didn't, but Monterey Jack mm, mentioned right. it in his opening spiel. So it's got to be fairly important. Mm. Otherwise, you know. Very important, yeah. Monterey Jack would. Yeah. I mean, not. Well, I guess to America as well. And France. What, as in like the language? Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, man. but then it's like. I guess that's how yeah. far do you go down it's, the chain it's, it's of knock-on effects, effects, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, like like where do you where do you say? In which case, the... you could say like the first ever fight between like Ugg and Glug in Caveman Days like shaped the rest of history because like Glug's bloodline was all dead, like killed, and we're all descendants. Yeah, that's true. You can't go back that far, but it definitely has had a profound impact on Britain forever. Like Britain's was it, it's a definitive point of change in British history to what we have now. For sure. For sure. Yeah, I think it's probably the most definitive change yeah. in British history, um, for sure. Wow, very good pick. And Aren't actually, you glad learned... I didn't pick Lord of the Rings? Yep, yes. yep I am. <laughs> um, but also, I'm, I'm really, I, I enjoy one where we get to know a little bit of stuff that we didn't know before. And I learned yeah. a lot of things there that I didn't know before. So that was really mm. exciting. Um, yeah, exactly. I bet you didn't know that you had to go to the Pope, get his permission, if it's been... To kill another king, because they're, they're down from God and that, yeah. Um, I didn't know that, no. There was another thing that I didn't know that you said, Now I can't remember what it was. The Normans? No. The Normans being Vikings? That. Maybe I didn't know that, yeah. I probably, I don't think I did know that. Yeah, that was one of the things. Yes, I learned some things, and mm-hmm. that's always exciting. Every day's a school day. I like learning you. Yeah. Um, exactly. Now, obviously, middle bit. Am I going to have to cut the whole middle bit out? <laughs> well, it depends whether you think it was funny or not. Um, I think it was a bit of a waste of our lives. Um, I thought it'd be funny until I started doing it. And then it became less funny. Mm, anyway. Funny that. <laughs> I'm so ready to get on with this bit, by the way. <laughs> right. We should not be getting on with anything. We're no, no, here no, to I'm, enjoy I'm ourselves. Hyped, I'm hyped. I'm hyped. I've, I've, I like my answer. Okay. I'm very interested. Okay. Yeah. V-Dog, whenever yes, you're ready, talk to me about a battle. With pleasure. So, what is it that makes a battle great? Well, there are, of course, a few factors to consider. 
The first and most obvious is just how big the battle was, how many people were involved. Another factor is just how good the military tactics were. And not to make this intro super long, so I'm just going to quickly say the other factors I was considering in my decision. That being the individual acts of excellence on the battlefield, the technology that might have even been invented for said battle, and in my opinion, the most important factor, how the battle impacted the world in its aftermath. Now, obviously, there are an incredible amount of battles throughout history to consider here. But for me, the greatest battle to ever happen in our written history just had to happen in the greatest war ever. And it's not boring, Mork. <laughs> the Second World War is undeniably the biggest and most influential war ever, having a death total of somewhere around a staggering 80 million people. Jesus Christ. And it being the first and only war in our history to actually involve all major continents. World War I wasn't actually a world war. It's more like a European no. war. Its impact is unquestionable. Also, side note, before penicillin, the majority of deaths in wartime actually came from diseases. But penicillin was actually discovered in 1928 and was used heavily in World War II, meaning that if it hadn't been in, yeah, discovered, the death toll very easily would have exceeded 100 million. Very easily. Ugh. But yeah, so from August of 1942 to February of 1943... The second bloodiest battle in all of history took place, the Battle of Stalingrad. Taking place on the Eastern Front between the Nazis and the Soviet Union, those six months saw some of the worst wartime atrocities on both sides. Now, once the dust had settled, the casualty count was somewhere between 1.2 and 2.5 million people. Jesus Christ. That is quite a lot, actually. That is a fuck ton of people there was a lot of like cannibalism as well because loads of people just ran out of food like it was it was it was a really horrible horrible battle that's like 15 wembleys <laughs> what in it what is in the population wembley... you could like the capacity of wembley yeah wembley's like 90k that's like 15 something wembleys I'm glad that we get to distill war down to how many Wembleys it is. <laughs> it's hard to visual. No, 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 no. It's hard to visualise 1.4 million people. So you bring it down to something that you can visualise, a full Wembley, and then you think, fuck me, imagine if you had 15 of these. That's well, That was bare. the lower estimate. That's like the upper That's estimate is two, I mean. two and a half million. That's like, well, how many Wembleys is that, Michael? Like fucking 30. <laughs> Fucking 30. <laughs> <laughs> Tepenji's playing. <laughs> um. But anyway, the Battle of Stalingrad happened and the Soviets had actually won the battle. And this was arguably the biggest turning point in the war at this time. It was the Nazis' first major loss and it meant the end of their Eastern conquest. It would, in fact, mark the last time that the Nazis would try and advance into Russia during the war. And it showed to the world that the frightening German war machine could bleed. And if it could bleed, it could be killed. Can I just say one, just want to say two quick words about this thing here. Mark Corrigan, just that's it. 
You're just giving me Mark vibes. <laughs> Mark Horgan's an intelligent man. He loves Stalingrad, though, doesn't he? He loves Stalingrad. He mentioned it a lot in like, the first season, but I feel like he yeah. didn't anymore after that. No. No, um, which is the one where he's like, Jojo don't play by your rules when he's fucking locked um, <clears throat> Germany and Germany pub. invaded Czechoslovakia, Jeremy. <laughs> Welcome to the real world. Yeah. <laughs> There's another one, though, where he's locked Gerard out and he's having a date with Dobby. Yeah. And he's like, Jojo, don't play by your rules. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, with the Nazis giving up on the East, they would have to concentrate all of their efforts on the Western Front. And if that were to fall, the war would be over for them, essentially. Sensing this, the Allied forces realise they would need to make one huge push into France... So around May of 1944, those plans began being drummed up for what would become the largest amphibian operation of all time. The Allies would invade the northern French coastline. Now, instead of going for the more obvious beaches of Calais, which is very close to Britain, obviously, the Allies decided on Normandy, and thus the Normandy landings, or D-Day, was put into motion. First of all, new technologies had to be made. It was that big of an operation. Mm. Most notably, the iconic boats which took troops from the larger naval ships to the beach. They're invented mm. solely for the Normandy landings. Really? Yeah. I had no idea. They also needed tanks for the invasion, but obviously tanks can't swim. So they invented an entirely new type of tank dubbed as... Uh, Hobart's Funnies I don't know why they call them that Weird sense of humour But these new tanks had the ability to actually float on water Allowing the Allies to bring mobile artillery with them Mm. to the beaches Pretty simple really Strap a few balloons to the bottom (laughs) (laughs) Yeah it's pretty simple actually when you think about it And then when it gets on the sand what you do, you get what you do, right? You get you strap some balloons on the bottom so when it's in the water it can float. And then the first geezer who comes onto the beach, he just he's got a pocket full of tacks. He just throws them on the ground. And then as the tank starts to go up the sandbank, it'll just start popping all the balloons and then it'll be fine. Right. Right. <laughs> <laughs> okay, back to the important thing. Uh <laughs> Obviously, for this invasion to be a success as well, it needed to have a lot of troops. Most people knew of know of D-Day consisting of the combined efforts of the British, the US and the Canadians. But what most don't realise or don't know is that there were in fact 11 other nations who were involved in the operation. And I'm going to list all of them, whether you like it or not. So France, Australia, Czechoslovakia. What? Well, how were the French in D-Day? They were they were already in France. They, to not make this super long, because I know too much about D-Day after watching like 20,000 documentaries all today. <laughs> Basically, the there was mostly the French civilians, because obviously it was, they were occupied by the Germans. So they they liaised with the French using oh, right. code in, words within, in like yeah. radio, basically. They had like a radio station that would, they would like talk about i actually yeah, yeah i actually didn't know that yeah how did czechoslovakia yeah. did they they didn't come on the boats then because they'd have had to go around a long way i'm not sure about the specifics of any of these countries to be honest just carry on czechoslovakia 
Poland, Belgium, the Netherlands, Norway, New Zealand, Greece, South Africa, and strangely enough, I didn't know this about uh, didn't know this until today. My homeboys, the Southern Rhodesians, or what is yes. now modern day Zimbabwe. So they, they flew them all over on airplanes to get them on a boat to the They attack. got fucking everyone involved for this because this was like, we need to just get yeah. everyone on this. When you think about it, the fact that New Zealand was involved is mental. <laughs> They've got no reason. They couldn't be... Fair. They're in the sun. They're about 3,000 miles from anything that's going on. They could just sit there, farm sheep and do bungee jumping and just let the whole thing blow over. Yeah, but aren't they the in the British Empire? Yeah, weren't they part they're of the British the Empire? So, like, yeah, Big Winston rings him up and he's like, listen, look, if you want us to fucking actually take, you know, like, we technically, you're technically still part of the Commonwealth, but, you know, we just let it slide. If you want us to come and fuck you up, you better get your ass on that plane and come and help us fight these Nazis. That's how it went down. I think, because uh, I know, I'm pretty sure Australia were quite scared of the whole Imperial Japanese coming to take them over because they were invading a lot that, of yeah. islands ah, around yeah. them. So I think they were like, let's just fucking get on this. Um, but yeah, an invasion of this size would be extremely difficult to keep under wraps. But that's exactly what they had to do to keep it successful. Mm. The Nazis had built an extremely well-fortified defense along the entirety of the coastline, going all the way from southern Spain to all the way to fucking southern Norway. A massive thing. Fucking hell. It was dubbed the uh, Atlantic Wall, I think. And it would be a massive uphill battle to try and penetrate that defence. So the Allies mounted a covert operation, dubbed Operation Fortitude. The plan of Operation Fortitude was to keep these Normandy landings as secret as possible. They hired filmmakers to help create thousands of fake dolly soldiers, cardboard planes, and even inflatable mm. tanks, and situated them in the situated these fake armies in different areas to the planned invasion spots. With the help of a man by the name of Juan Garcia, codename Garbo, he managed to create an entire network of fake German spies to give the Nazis either fake information or real information, but make sure it only got to them when it was a little too late for them to do anything about it. Mm. So it kept it believable. They, they may not have been able to trust the fake, because they may have discovered that a lot of the information was fake anyway. So by the time the real information gets them, they'll be like, oh, it's fucking bullshit, man. You've been... Boy, you cried wolf, innit? Simple. Yeah, and also a lot of the fake information, it wasn't easy for the Nazis to, like, figure out it was fake as well mm, so like yeah, they would yeah. also probably just believed oh it's just real but we can do anything about it kind of thing mm. yeah yeah sweet there's a i don't know if you're going to get to this but where i went to the omaha beach war museum in mm. france which is one of the beaches that they landed on yeah which is fucking mental because in france they do not hold back it's pretty fucking grim yeah um they have like boots made of human hair that the <laughs> nazi soldiers wore and stuff jesus fucking rank um but they also talked about how this one French farmer cycled from one end of the French coast to the other, just writing down all of where the Nazi-like battlements were strongest oh, really? and weakest. Wow. And he just put it on a pigeon and sent it back. And it like massively changed where they were going to land. Wow. Right. But they also okay. had... like Imagine putting such a massive 
amount of faith in just one random letter that comes up from a pigeon from yeah. a French farmer. And he, but he just did it. And yeah, they're like, basically, the, one of the German naval commanders was completely obsessed that they were going to land at one beach up from Omaha Beach. Mm. So they filled that with like mines and battlements and everything. And then the beach down the way, they just kind of left it. And so they went to that beach, not the really bad beach. Wow. Crazy. One French farmer, fucking respect. Better no one knows his name. Pierre. No, I don't. <laughs> Let's say Pierre. <laughs> Part of this operation again, the Allies even arranged for 30 members of the Women's Auxiliary Air Force to dawn civilian clothes with the aim of them going to bars and pubs where the Allies' higher-ups would attend, flirt with them, and see if they would drunkenly boast about the secret invasion. Mm. And thankfully, none of them did. They were vi- they were just making sure every tiny little hole was sealed so that it, nothing came out. Nice. The 5th of June was set to be the day of D-Day. But by the 4th, the weather was so incredibly stormy and the sea was, was too choppy to cross. So even though the 156,000 soldiers were prepped for the invasion they were told to hold for at least another 24 hours. Mm. This caused a massive problem for the Allies. They needed to start the invasion at night when the Nazis were least prepared, and so they needed the moon to be as full as possible so they could actually see in the night. Mm. If the weather was so bad that they couldn't travel through it, they would have to wait a whole other, a whole extra month, in which case Jesus. more people would die and the plans would might be leaked to yeah, the Nazis. Leaked. Yeah, fuck that. Although the Nazis had a general idea that Allies would be invading one of the coastlines at some point, the weather was so atrocious, many of the men at Normandy thought that the, any invasion wouldn't actually happen, so they actually just went off on holiday. <laughs> and the Normandy commander himself, Erwin Rommel, decided to travel home to see his wife as it was her birthday on the 6th of June. What incredible luck is that? Damn. That's wild. <laughs> that is crazy. He was like, fuck it, look at all this wet, bad weather. Yeah, nothing's going to happen. Let's just pack up and leave. If only he had had Michael Caine sat there saying, there's a storm coming. And they'd be like, yeah, we know, we see it right now. <laughs> yeah, but he'd be like, oh shit, does he mean a proverbial storm? Nah, fuck my wife. Maybe I better stay here. But yeah, to the luck of millions of people, meteorologist and group captain James Stagg delivered what might be the most important weather report in history to his higher-ups. The report stated that the weather will have calmed down by the 6th of June, and so the mission was to go ahead as planned. The British would land on beaches Gold and Sword, the Canadians on Juno, with the Americans landing on Utah and Omaha Beach. Obviously, these are all code names. They're not the actual names. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. The British and Canadian divisions would be the most immediately successful, with the Americans struggling most of the way. In fact, the troops leading... Sorry, the troops landing on Utah Beach made the horrifying discovery... They'd accidentally landed on the wrong beach. <laughs> but luckily for them, the only general to join them on join these ground troops, a man by the mm. name of Teddy Roosevelt Jr., yes, the ex-president of the United States' son, weirdly what? enough, what? What? he was there. And 
realizing their new beach was actually a better spot for the troops to invade, he managed to reroute the entire Utah landing force to his location and got them to take control of the area in the process. Unfortunately, wow. a month later, he dies to a heart attack, but he was posthumously given the prestigious Medal of Honor for this one day. Mm. The invasion was a success. The Allies managed to take control of all of the beaches, and due to the fact that Hitler was fast asleep until midday, no, and nobody <laughs> dared to wake him... Lazy bastard! <laughs> yep. This, the, the, Hitler loved just sleeping until midday. Like he just he, he and he was very much like if you wake me I'm gonna fucking kill you like yeah but even like don't wake me unless the English like unless they this invade, is the thing that's a no this is the thing when you rule by fear even like yeah. when you're like we're being invaded like we need to like do something you're still like should we wake the Führer like <laughs> the Führer. he might he might just execute yeah. me for waking him up because he he ruled with fear. Because they the thought he was there. God as well, didn't they? They yeah. were like, the Fuhrer was like, they, they, he wasn't just their leader, he was their God, and they worshipped him, didn't they? So, yeah, it's like, that's, yeah, that's the main problem with ruling by fear yeah. is this, these stuff just happen because you're too scared to speak up. He's mm. probably also on a massive come down. True. He was off his chops on amphetamines all the time. Amphetamines, yeah. Yeah, just fucking. It's like it probably yeah, he'd be too hung up there. But like the the allies are invading Normandy, he'd be like, oh fucking leave it, mate. <laughs> like <laughs> you'd be like, Goebbels, sort it out, son. <laughs> but yeah, so he woke up at midday because nobody w was brave enough to wake him up and tell him. By the way, the allies <laughs> are invading, and also a big part of that was they weren't sure if it was a proper invasion or whether they a thought it was one. like a, yeah. a decoy or distraction. Because again. Mm. The covert operations to make sure that the Germans had no idea what the fuck was happening were so successful. And in fact, they had zero idea about the Normandy landings. It actually mm. all went perfectly to plan. We fucked them up, didn't we, really? Yeah, it was, it was fantastic planning. Fantastic mm. planning. But yeah, so the Allies unified the beaches and began their assault on occupied France. And this invasion would be the final nail in the coffin for the Nazis. And it was well known by this time that their t their war was finally coming to an end. Thanks to Operation Fortitude, the Nazi Germanys had very little idea about these landings. And thanks to the combined forces of 14 countries, the, f the war was finally on its way out. This battle had moments of individual brilliance, had new technologies. I, I, there's so much I could have mentioned, but like I don't mm. want to be sad for f like literally hours. <laughs> yeah, but yeah. there's loads of other stuff I didn't mention, but... Involved huge numbers of troops on the ground, in planes, as spies, and even in the form of French civilians who helped the Allies destroy vital German structures and help the parachuters land safely after the uh, invasions had happened. Above all, it was the battle which marked the end of Hitler's war. And that's why I think it's the GOAT battle. Mm. You helped me with my with my one a little bit with a little bit of information at the end, so I'm going to help you as well. Okay. Good movies and good games as well. Yeah. <laughs> Saving Private Ryan, great movie. Do you know what I mean? Good movies. It's true, yeah. You know, how many World War Two games are there? D-Day landings, like Medal they of Honor front love line. That's including the D-Day landings in like games and movies. It's it's yeah. so like iconic, honestly. Exactly. Yeah. Now I thought, and I could be wrong. Maybe I've like completely misunderstood history. 
I thought that Dunkirk came after the D-Day landings. Because Way it didn't before. Work. Oh, really? It was like 1940. One, I think it was like way. I was like mm. the. I was yeah. That was way before. See, I I've also got issues wrong. So I thought like so. When was World War Two finished in nineteen forty five? And when was D Day? Forty four. The summer of forty four. Yeah. So there weren't there there were no British troops in mainland France, Europe. Like at that point, uh, up until nineteen forty four. In Europe, yeah, but not like France, which was like the main sort of hub where the Nazis sort of right. control a lot of things. That was central Europe, so, yeah. obviously. So, like, all the stuff that we see in movies and everything else basically is from D-Day onwards. A big chunk of it. The Allies' main push into... into So, yeah. like, 90% of World War Two was just the Nazis going through and, like, conquering, invading Poland and everyone else and fighting the Germ- fighting the Soviets. Mm. And then we just came in right at the end, and I fuck, like fucked them off. And but in all of our media, we mainly see that little bit. Whereas I thought D Day was like day one, and then it was like they were just fighting in France. No, no D Day was like the six, five years. Yeah, was the final like okay, the Nazis are. I always think like that was the start of World War Two. Like the Nazis started kicking off, and so Britain and everyone were like, right, fuck that, D Day, bang, let's go. But actually, that was the end of the offensive. So I've I've that been was confused the whole time. Pretty much well, the yeah. end of the Nazis was D Day. Mm. Yeah, I'm just reading here. This is mad. Like I've just completely misunderstood this. But yeah, um, the Dunkirk evacuations was 1940. Yeah, and was basically after they'd been an initial sort of Belgium, right? Yeah, they'd been pushed out of Belgium and France after they'd landed when the war kicked off. Mm. So they basically turned up and were like, oh, we'll just sort this out. Yeah. Yeah, and then they just fucked and them they up, f- got fucked up. They yeah. got fucked up, so they were like, yeah. we have to evacuate, and it was like yeah. a big, like, yeah. So that's what I mean. The majority of, like, fighting between the Allies and the Nazis happened fr- from D-Day onwards until when they were... In France, like... There was lots of other stuff, and like it was a world war. It happened like there was stuff in Africa, there was stuff in Asia, you know, Australia. Oh, yeah, there was stuff Africa. everywhere. You have to yeah. uh, maybe South America. I, 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 I don't know about South America, but maybe a bit of South America as well. Oh mate, there's so much. I wish there would just be a really easy timeline. Like just, just Google the timeline, and it just shows you do 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 do, and you're like, oh sweet, but it's not. It's all very complicated. And when you watch these documentary stuff, sometimes they're like cut back and forth between this place and that place. There's yeah. so many things. It's that very complicated. All over the yeah. world, it was all like this tightly. Yeah, World War Two. There was there's too many things that happened in World War Two. Yeah, I feel like it's quite complicated. Yeah. Well, that's left me with a really really tough one. Because obviously you've both taken it seriously, which is always a bummer. Um, <laughs> you've both you've both pitched very significant battles, not just battles where there's loads of people, mm. um, but like battles that significantly changed history. I guess it comes down to, I would argue that the Norman invasion and the kind of battle at 1066 and um, William the Conqueror winning that had a very, very profound effect on England. And mm. I guess you can say the you know the whole of the United Kingdom as a result of that has been permanently changed by that battle. Whereas, while the D-Day landings were incredibly significant, obviously, and I, was, I didn't really pick up on this until you just said it then, there were other factors in the tide of the war changing and the D-Day landings were a potentially slightly less significant part 
but of a much more significant war because obviously the second world war affected pretty much the whole of the globe whereas the normans really only affected the united kingdom um god that's really fucking tough it definitely was like the last domino to fall like it wasn't it, it's well, not like it was like just so happened to be a battle that was like okay now the nazis salute it was like huge and like the fact they kept it yeah. all under wraps the fact that like new technologies had to be invented there's loads of like moments of brilliance on the like the the battlefield like the germans were so well def- like their ideas like how they like set up their defenses were like incredible they put fuck tons of mines everywhere like mm. They were very, very well equipped for this, and they still, you know, got out maneuvered essentially, which is just incredible. Yeah, but did Teddy Roosevelt Jr. rip his helmet off and fucking I am not dead? You <laughs> fucking beat up Hitler himself. He like got picked over the scruff of his neck. <laughs> Come here, you. Would you not say that the drop of the atomic bomb was what? was the nail in the coffin that was the, the pacific the war. war so the germans had already yeah. basically i think they might have already surrendered by that point and it was then it was just the u.s versus japan and that was kind of a separate war isn't that also the whole thing it's a part of world war ii but it became sort of overlapped and became its own thing called the pacific war mm. and also isn't the whole thing that there's a little bit of back and forth about obviously you could argue that a bomb of that scale never needs to be dropped but isn't the argument that potentially because the tide had already turned and the majority of axis forces had started to you know surrender maybe they didn't actually need to drop two atomic bombs on japan given that the war was already i think it had already i'm pretty sure was it 46 when they dropped the bombs i think the second world war was no it's 45 it was 45 but i'm pretty sure the germans yeah. basically had surrendered by that the point. germans i think had surrendered already yeah and i think italy had surrendered it europe was, europe was fine it was now europe just was japan. over yeah it was just well, japan. i think japan were like they were doing well weren't they they were like winning so they were like i think the the, the, the people think fuck japan are pretty tough and they might like suck into this power vacuum and just be the new you know big dominating yeah i mean the whole thing of like should they have dropped not even just it's, one nuke but two you're nukes. never it's, gonna get the it, right it's, answer it's a massive like moral conundrum because there's the whole mm. thing of like the, the japanese have that culture of never surrender and like even when they dropped the two nukes and the emperor was like right we're gonna surrender loads of people were like no like you're, no, that's a bad not. idea yeah like they were like mm. pleading him don't surrender and he was like I have to. They fucking annihilated two cities. I don't want <laughs> yeah. that to happen again. Yeah. Like, it's yeah. like, did it save more lives than it cost? Could they have been another option? It's it's so it's, complicated. It's a very complicated question for sure. I don't think there is a right answer. Obviously, I think yeah, probably on the grander scale, like the best outcome came of that. But was it the best method? I don't know. I. It's so complicated but then you could you could say a lot of things like i don't know could they not have just dropped one in the ocean nearby everyone would have seen it i don't think that would have that they wouldn't have everyone would them. have seen it and it would have gone boom, and they would have gone oh, fuck that would melt us all no they wouldn't have thought that would melt us all because until you see something properly do you know what i mean it's like you're getting in a know. fight with someone and they're like punching the air they're like oh, i'm gonna fucking do this to you mate and you're like okay i reckon i can take it and then they hit you for real and you're like oh shit no actually i can't <laughs> yeah it's, yeah it's it's 
it's a that's a very very difficult question to answer yeah yeah we're probably not going to solve that one tonight no. um <laughs> three white men solve what's it solve really to drop two nukes <laughs> um but yes oh my god you bastards because if they fucked up a d-day the war would have kept on going for years on that's the thing mm. like they might have still I lost in right. the end probably but like it would have cost way more lives. Yeah. Do you know what? Every every time we have to pick a reason, and this is my reasoning, mm. I think they're both very significant. However, what I will say is that it's difficult to put a finger on the significance of the Normandy invasion, the Norman invasion, the Norman conquest, and all of that. Obviously, it did massively change our culture. However, the specifics of that exact battle have been, to a degree, lost to time. We don't know yeah. specifically what took place at that battle. A lot of hearsay as we well. only have. There's a lot of hearsay. Obviously, that classic line of you know the the winner writes the yeah, story, the history. Mate, that do you and... know where that actually first ever came from? Cod Modern Warfare 2. That is the original quote from General Shepherd. Okay, so moving on. Um, so we're crowning uh, Cod as the goat game again. Are we doing it again? Yeah, so Cod, Call of Duty Black Ops 2. Um, great, no. great battle. I think, I think just based on that, God, I, that, I think it's difficult to say what specifically took place. Like, you know, it's mm. all very epic when you talk about the helmet coming off and them three kings pincering and, them on a hill yeah. and all three kings and that. But actually, when you really zoom out on what that was, that was a bunch of blokes in tin ads bludgeoning the <laughs> shit out of each other in a field. <laughs> like it wasn't that technically mm. good. And, and all of the pincer movement and the running about and the hat coming off, mm. that's all sprinkled on top to make it sound a bit better. But what I actually was is three different types of tin man <laughs> yeah. just bonking each well, other. Well, like 90% of Harold's army were um, farmers. farmers armed with like sh- scythes and yeah. like sharpened <laughs> spades, basically. He had like what he had one battalion of like guards, and that was it. I mean, that just reminds me of all those fucking. I don't know if you've watched Black Adder, but when yeah. they're talking about the Boer War before, yeah, the, yeah, I was the thinking first that one, as well. he's like, mm. "Oh, it's a pretty sharp bit of mango." That like, <laughs> yeah, it's just such ridiculous yeah. shit. Yeah. <laughs> but like, yeah. Um. So yeah, based on that, I think, mm. and again, this is unfair on you, Michael, but just personally for me, like going and seeing the Omaha Beach Museum and the amount of forethought that went into that, I think I have to crown the D-Day landings as the greatest battle of all time. You know what? I actually am not mad. I actually surrender my victory. I would have surrendered my victory anyway to D-Day. Even though I love 1066 and I was like, I was thinking anything Vinny picks from fucking World War II is just, it's just it's done <laughs> to death. It's dull. Like, I've heard it a million times. Like, they are just small battles in a grander, significant war. Hmm. But then when he st- when he actually broke it down, I was like, shit, yeah, no, that is pretty fucking cool. The, uh, that yeah. is pretty big. I was like, damn, I don't know if I can be here satisfied that, like, three quarrelling kings are, like, <laughs> the greatest battle in history when, like, all that D-Day mad shit went down. Like, yeah. I, I literally originally picked it because I was like, this was maybe the most significant battle in World War Two, And I was like, I'm just going to go off of that. And then, like, when I was watching stuff and I was reading up stuff, I was like, 
oh my god there's so much to this battle yeah. like there's so much like cool interesting shit mm. and all the new technologies the crazy thing about fucking roosevelt's son taking charge and yeah, yeah. rerouting the whole invasion and like the french getting involved and like the civilians they had there were so many french civilians getting involved they didn't have enough the allies didn't have enough guns for them because there was too many yeah i remember about the civilian stuff like yeah because they would go they would like be basically fighting the as the germans would be retreating from the allies they've been then getting shot out of windows by like housemaids and shit like bow, yeah, bow, bow. yeah like yeah like, everyone was getting involved they were stuff. just like this is the, this yeah. is the time to strike the nazis are weak yeah yeah it's wild isn't it it's absolutely it is wild. crazy Fucking hell. What an episode, apart from the middle bit that was absolute <laughs> dog shit. Um, I totally forgot about the middle bit. <laughs> yeah. That was a proper... That was a the opposite of a shit sandwich. It was two good bits and a middle bit that was an absolute waste we've of all, life. We've all dropped a clangor of a middle bit. I've dropped a, I've dropped a few clanger middle bits myself. Yeah. Well, I'm just like, what am I going to fucking talk about? Well, I loved I loved the not, why you're talking about the Normandy stuff. Like, I think that was so interesting. I was yeah. genuinely so invested. I love that mm. shit. Yeah, I know. I was. I, do you know what as well? And I'm just going to break the fourth wall. I found I couldn't think of a middle bit for ages. And like you said, sometimes you don't need a middle bit. I should have just accepted that. Mm. And then today at work, I had this idea, which is I should have downloaded totally an epic battle simulator uh, and like got different groups to battle mm. and then asked you who won but i didn't have fucking time to download oh, it and do right, all that yeah. oh, because so cool. like, yeah. i came up with the yeah i found the fucking the the buzzfeed shit last night and was like oh i guess that will work and then today at work i was like fuck that would have been yeah. so much fun but i just couldn't do it so yeah. Never mind. you know maybe another middle bit yeah go historical war um but anyway thanks everyone so much for listening uh ggs to Vinny, a great pick and Mm. always exciting to see someone talk about something that they were passionate about kind of before the episode a little bit i don't i think i thought you said you care you knew about it before did you not i mean i'm just a nerd about history especially world war ii stuff Mm. so like i I really um, knew and just yeah i didn't know jack shit about 1066 really oh did you not but I knew a little bit, but yeah. you know, it's Game of Thrones, it's Lord of the Rings, it's people fighting with swords and shields and shit. Like, I love that. You know, I fucking love that shit. So, don't matter if it's real or fantasy, it's the same shit to me. <laughs> yeah, I always find it funny about like the Battle of Stamford Bridge because immediately that just reminds me of the it was like two nil to like yes. Tottenham at Stamford. <laughs> Tottenham I always think that yeah. first, and I'm like, I oh, nearly yeah, actual... put that. I nearly put yeah. that in brackets. Yeah, not the ba- not the yeah. 2016 game or whatever. But yeah. I was like. Because it was an actual, Don't like, do it. <laughs> very, very bloody battle. It's, like, one of the biggest battles in English yeah. history. And it also, you know, there was a battle a few hundred years mm. ago as well. And I kept this out on research as well, but apparently one solidary Viking berserker held off all the forces on Stamford Bridge. Yeah. Just by himself, batting them away, until one of Harold's men had the bright idea to get in the water, go underneath the bridge, and stab him in the dick. Yeah, 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 yeah. Wow. <laughs> yeah, and then they kill that guy, and then they just storm the bridge, and we're like, right, where's Viking King at? Fucking, it's yeah. it's gone. Look, gang, thanks for listening. Um, if Vinny kept that middle bit in the edit, which I suspect he won't, I'm sorry about it. If he didn't, <laughs> good riddance. Um, don't forget to follow us on Instagram. Um, Vinny, have a nice holiday. Mm. I'm going to go and have a hate wank. See you in a bit. <laughs> bye. bye. Love you, bye. Love you, bye. You have to say love you, bye. Oh, love you, bye. Cool, <laughs> oh, they did that.
Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.